from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I am your host, Jake Scorheim. Thank you guys so much for joining me. If you haven't caught the first two hours of the show, shame on you. Deep, deep shame. What have you been doing with the rest of your night? What have you been having dinner with your family? You've been having a nice time? Tucking the kids in maybe to bed? What's that? What good is that going to do, right? At the end of your long life, do you think you're really going to see any any positive effects of having spent time with your family or tucking them into bed or reading them stories or eating dinner at the table every night together as a family? No. But what you could look back on and go, you know what? I wisely spent three hours of my night every night, Monday through Friday, hanging out with Jake on Kyra Nights with Jake Scorheim. That's what you guys need to be doing. And if you're not doing that, again, shame. Shame on you. And if you do have to miss it for whatever reason, I don't know, family, dinner, it doesn't matter. Get the podcast for crying out loud. Kyra Nice with Jake Scorheim. Check it out. We have a lot of great stuff on there. I'm just kidding. Of course you should be. Of course you should be spending time with your family. Of course you should be doing all of those things. All of those things are more important than us. Absolutely. We're not as important as any of the stuff I just mentioned. So if you have to do any of those things, completely, I, 100% I understand. I don't take it personally at all. In fact, I, I want to encourage you. Good job. That's what you should be doing. That means you're a good parent. You're a good uh, husband or a wife if you're spending time with your loved ones. Good job. But you should also be a good listener and you should download the podcast. If you miss any of the show, we post everything there and that's where you can get it. Full HD. It doesn't cost anything. It's really fun. It's really great. It's just like right to you. It doesn't cost a single thing. All right. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Let's get right into it. This was kind of just a, I found this to be a funny personal anecdote. And I thought I'd share it with you guys earlier today. I was in the kitchen making breakfast. It's kind of like my thing. That's what I do every morning. I make breakfast um, for the family. I'm whistling because that's what I do all the time. I like to whistle. And I was whistling this tune. And you might, you might know it if you if, uh, take a guess. My wife did not know this tune, obviously, but you might know it. radio right there whistling uh so she comes in the room she goes hey what is that is that mandy moore i was like what is that mandy moore what are you talking about is that mandy moore i said no it's not mandy moore she goes what are you whistling naturally it's three amigos it's the theme song the three amigos i don't know if you guys knew that you probably did she says are you sure that's not a walk to remember which is a movie that mandy moore i guess was in i said no it was not a walk to remember and that's just what that's the difference between my wife and i when i'm thinking three amigos she's thinking a walk to remember and somehow we make it work. Can you guys believe that? All right, uh, let's get right into it. This news made me feel bad. Like there's a lot of bad news out there in the world, but this might just be the worst. It's actually not. It's just a joke. Uh, there was a Woodenville winery, which back in November suffered a pretty catastrophic loss of wine. Somebody snuck in. There's footage of this. You can actually find this. Somebody snuck into their facility at night in this Woodenville winery. Somehow they managed to get inside and somehow they managed to get right to these two giant casks of wine, thousands of gallons worth of wine. And they went right for them. It's like they knew what they were looking for. There was these two giant containers of, and this is what really hurts, Sauvignon Blanc, which is my absolute favorite wine. This story hits me on so many personal levels. I love Woodenville. It's a great place. A lot of great wine out there, but I love Sauvignon Blanc. I talk about this all the time with my wife. Uh, I talk about this all the time about me and my wife. We like to drink Sauvignon Blanc. 
which is a deliciously fruity, pineapple-infused tasting wine. It's got notes of certain types of berries, things like that. Pineapple, as I have already mentioned. It's really all I can think of. Uh, it's also got this like really great steel barrel drum cask taste to it. I don't know what it is. Very summery. It's a very summery wine. We like to drink it with ice. I highly recommend it. If you guys haven't tried it, try some Sau Blanc with some ice. There's just something about the way it clinks around in that glass. It just makes you feel like, ah, just pure relaxation. It is a fast one-way ticket to relaxation town. And we like to drink that wine while we're watching really crummy uh, reality shows like Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, recently Golden Bachelor, which we were happy about. It's not always Bachelor, but often it's Bachelor-related things. It's in the Bachelor universe, usually. But that's where we like to drink our Sauv Blanc the most. But in Kenmore, they were looking for somebody who had broken into one of their facilities and dumped out 24,000 bottles worth, or like four months of wine in my house. 24,000 bottles worth of wine worth $600,000. King County Sheriff's Office have actually made an arrest in this. Como News has the details. A suspect is now under arrest for this expensive mess at a Woodenville winery. Last November, someone entered Sparkman Cellars and drained thousands of gallons of wine onto the floor. The damage was estimated at $600,000. Detectives say a Seattle man in his 60s was taken into custody yesterday. They say he is a former employee of that winery, but right now there is no word on a motive for the crime. Yeah, who knows? Who knows why he did it? But that's a bad thing. Don't break into wineries and ruin their wine. Now, I know for, uh, you know, I have some insider knowledge on how the wine industry works. This is all covered by insurance. I'm almost positive this is all covered by insurance. So they're going to get their money back. But it's still like a real bummer because it means that not, I mean, they're getting their money back, the loss of their wine. What they're probably not getting back when you think about it is like just 24,000 bottles that went out or that didn't get a chance to go out. That's like little advertisements. Every time somebody buys one of those bottles, every time that somebody walks by it in a store shelf, they see that bottle for this winery, this Sparkman Cellars winery, and they think to themselves, oh, what a lovely time. I'm going to buy Sparkman Cellars again in the future. But if those bottles aren't out there circulating, the people aren't seeing it. So that's a real bummer. I, I, yeah, I hope they took that into account when they, uh, got, their, when they got their insurance payment. All right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they did. <laughs> Maybe they didn't. That's a silly thing to care so much about. But whatever. I really like wine. Let's move on. This is another bad news story. According to the Wall Street Journal, which is a website that, uh, you know, some people read when they're feeling very smart. I do the same thing. Here's a headline. Listen to this. It's been 30 years since food ate up this much of your income. The last time Americans spent this much on food, this is in the Wall Street Journal piece, or WSJ, for people who don't know uh, uh, the acronym, WSJ. Uh, in the WSJ, they said that the last time Americans spent this much on money on food, George H.W. Bush was in office. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. Terminator 2 Judgment Day was in theaters. I'll be back. And the CNC Music Factory was rocking the Billboard charts. Again, this is from the Wall Street Journal. I couldn't remember what CNC Music Factory was or sounded like. I didn't really even know the name. I'd never heard of it before until I got the song. And I'm going to play it for you now. And then as soon as I heard the song, boom, totally remembered it. Yes, everybody dance. Um, 
Quick side note. I used to request that song. This is a super dated reference, but anybody who grew up in Snohomish County is going to know what I'm talking about. I used to request that song when I was young. I don't remember how old I was. It was either that or it was Criss Cross. You guys remember Criss Cross? Uh, not Christopher Cross, the yacht rock singer. Criss Cross, the two children rappers who wore their clothes backwards. As strange as that sounds, if you have no reference point for that, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It's bizarre. That was a style back in the early 90s. People would wear their clothes on backwards, and that was what made you a rapper. Uh, it made you cool. I tried to do it. It didn't take. My parents didn't like me wearing my pants backwards. They had a good question. They said, why? I didn't have a good answer, so I started wearing pants the traditional way, um, and I have stuck with that ever since. So back in the day, I used to request uh, either Criss Cross Will Make You Jump, which is also a very catchy song, or I would request... I'm sure I, I, I probably didn't request this. I don't know if I would have known the name of this, but I definitely remember at the skate deck, which is where I would have been making this request. I remember at the skate deck hearing this song and feeling like, all right, now I'm getting kind of jazzed up and I'm going to start skating a little bit harder. And on my rollerblades, I'm going to start really going at it, you know, trying to like cut in and out, show people my skills. And it was this music that like got me jacked up. And I feel like maybe there was a Vanilla Ice component to that too. I don't think Vanilla Ice is connected to CNC Music Factory, but I definitely remember there being some sort of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related song that Vanilla Ice sang. Probably Go Ninja Go. Obviously, that's the song. I know the song. And that's what I would request at the skate deck. It was really great. So if anybody else remembers the skate deck, I don't even think it's there anymore. I think they tore it down. This was in Everett. So uh, rest in peace. I uh, really love that place. All right. Uh, so back to the Wall Street Journal article, because I'm an adult now. We don't need to talk about the skate deck and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the whole time. Relief isn't likely to arrive soon, according to this Wall Street Journal piece. Restaurant and food company executives said that they are still grappling with rising labor costs and some ingredients are getting much more expensive, such as cocoa. You ever heard of it? They use it to make chocolate. Not sure if you knew that. Consumers, they said, will find ways to cope. If you look historically after periods of inflation, there's really no period where you could point to where food prices come back down. That's a quote from Steve Callahan. He's the chief executive officer at a snack giant called Calanova. I don't know what they make, but they make snacks. He says that these uh, numbers tend to be kind of sticky. And so unfortunately for you and for me, when inflation goes up, food prices go up, inflation can come back down, and it does generally, but food prices don't always come back down. We kind of like, those are kind of set as new normal prices, and that, that's a bummer. Um, in 1991, U.S. consumers spent 11.4% of their disposable personal income on food according to the data from the U.S. Agricultural Department. At the time, households were dealing with steep food price increases following the inflationary periods during the 1970s. More, which I wasn't alive for, but I've heard of. Um, more than three decades later, food spending has reattained that level, according to the most recent USDA data from 2022. Consumers are now spending about 11.3. It's almost exactly what it was uh, back in 91, but now in 2022, Consumers are spending about 11.3% of their disposable income on food, according to this most recently available data. 
Many diners have said they're going out less frequently or they're skipping appetizers. They're buying cheaper brands at the store. Even Biden took notice of this during the Super Bowl. Uh, his team put out this shrinkflation ad. The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Do the right thing, businesses. Stop charging us so much for ice cream or whatever. Um, in suburban Chicago, Lisa Wister, she said that her food bills are rising faster. This is again in the Wall Street Journal. Rising faster than her family's income, leading them to make their own granola from scratch, which is so sad. Just imagine that lady in Chicago. I don't even know how you would do that, make granola from scratch. I imagine you're buying granola and you're mixing it with what? Like a nut? Some sort of a cashew? Maybe, um, that's really what I'm describing is, sounds like a trail mix. So maybe there's like an M&M or a raisin component. I don't know what scratch, like you can't, how do you make granola from scratch? That's a great question. You're buying it already somewhere. Are they making the granola bars? Is that what she means? Like nobody can make granola. How do you make granola? It's a great question. Good question. Um, so yeah, people are having to do this and it is obviously causing a lot of folks a lot of issues because they're having to make things like granola, which sounds very difficult. I don't know how it's done. All right, let's move on. Earlier today, people were really freaked out because they were worried that we had suffered a cyber attack. The FBI was actually looking into this. According to ABC News, a network disruption is affecting AT&T customers in the U.S. Thursday, today, prompting federal agencies to investigate what the outage was caused by. Was it a cyber attack? In a statement to ABC News, the company confirmed the outage and advised customers to tape to make calls over Wi-Fi. Brr, things have gotten really bad, guys, if you have to make calls over Wi-Fi. <laughs> this is so funny. There could be a cyber attack, whatever. I don't know. They say there, there could be a cyber attack or it could just be they're having some outage issues, technical malfunctions, problems like that. And the whole downside is that it's more difficult to make phone calls or you could switch over to Wi-Fi. You wouldn't even know the difference. Two sources briefed on the situation told ABC News that the FBI and Department of Homeland Security, among other agencies, are now urgently investigating to determine whether the AT&T outages are the result of a cyber attack or a hack or simply because of some sort of a technical malfunction. NBC News reported at the time it was more widespread than just AT&T. They said that AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile customers have all been hit by widespread cellular outages in the U.S., but apparently they jumped the gun a little bit. According to Verizon and T-Mobile, they both told ABC, they said, no, we didn't have any issues. We're fine. Everything's running fine. Uh, what's actually happening is our customers are trying to make calls to people who are on AT&T. And because AT&T is down, our customers on Verizon and T-Mobile think then that their service is also down. And it's not. You just need to uh, wait for the AT&T person to hook up to Wi-Fi. And as soon as they do, everything's going to be fine. Everything will be great. Because we live in a world now where everything is really Pretty great technologically. 
Like really, really positive technologically. All right. Uh, finally, in the show, really fast to get to. I have like two more seconds to talk about this real quick. All right. Stephen Colbert. I saw this the other day, and I just thought it was just kind of interesting. He hosts uh, The Late Show. Stephen Colbert. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. That's what he hosts. And he was discussing Donald Trump, and he was discussing the media tr- uh, coverage of Donald Trump. I thought he got a little bit passionate, like a little more than I think was funny. Like maybe it started out as a funny bit, but it seemed like it was kind of turning into a rant. I don't know. You guys be the judge. I know. I know how numb we've become, but it's not normal. No other candidate for the presidency has ever had to pause his campaign to defend himself in multiple courts. And I would like to point out that in all seven of his cases, no one, no one doubts that he did these things. We're just sitting around patiently waiting to find out if the wheels of justice will grind fast enough for there to be any consequences. And the media is covering it like it's any other political story, like it's all horse race. I have to disagree with him there. I do think there are some people who doubt his his guilt. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're they're right. It doesn't mean that he's innocent. I just think that, you know, obviously that's why he has these court cases. We have this thing in America where you are innocent until proven guilty. That's what they're attempting to do right now is to prove him guilty and so the idea that no one doubts his guilt, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like that's probably not true. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's probably not true. But I did think, it did remind me, Colbert did seem to get like a little bit over the top. Maybe he was a little extra there, as the kids like to say. And it did remind me of this from The Office. That was an overreaction. <laughs> that was Andy Punching a hole through the walks. He felt very, very passionately about something. And then he had an overreaction, obviously. All right. Uh, we got a lot coming up in this final hour of the show. We have so much great audio to play. I hope we have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, to get through it. There's just no way that we're going to have a chance to get through all of this. I keep telling my bosses. I keep saying, guys, three hours, not enough time. I just can't do it. I can't squeeze it all into three hours. I need more time. And guess what they said to me? No, you can't have more than three hours. This is it. You can have three hours. So I'm going to try to work within that. We're going to try to get it all to you in the next uh, 40 minutes or so we got left. So stick around. We're going to be right back here, and then we're just going to have to get right into it. We got a lot of great stuff. Stick around. We're going to be back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. All right, I want to uh, play you guys an audio clip. I played a little bit of this last night. I didn't have a chance to play all of this, but I was really interested in this, actually. Uh, you guys know who Charlemagne the God is. He is a radio host. He hosts a very popular syndicated show called The Breakfast Club. He had this to say about President Joe Biden, which I thought was kind of a really interesting point he was making. Why is it not resonating? Well, he's, a, he's just an uninspiring candidate. Like, you know, there's nothing about... You know, Joe Biden, that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on, you know, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who's way more charismatic than him. He should be leaning on, you know, other surrogates like, you know, Gavin Newsom or, you know, Shapiro in in Pennsylvania. Like, he should be leaning on people who are more inspiring than him, who are more charismatic than him. And he should just be, I guess, if you want to call it, the, the brains of the operation behind the scenes. Like, that sounds crazy that we're saying that about a president of the United States of America, but he he has no main character energy at all. I, have you ever heard that description before, no main character energy? Um, I think it's a really good way to describe something, and I think a lot of people actually do feel that way about Biden. They kind of say, all right, this guy doesn't appear to be the 
the main guy pulling the strings. Uh, certainly with Trump. When you look at Trump, you go, yes, uh, Trump seems to be in full command for, for better or worse. Uh, he's got a lot of main character energy. And you may not like that main character. You might find that uh, character be kind of villainous, but he at least certainly seems energized. Biden doesn't really seem to have a ton of energy. And so I just thought this was kind of an interesting way that he was describing Biden. And what is that? Is that age? Is it the way he is? I mean, why, why do you, what, what's the problem? I don't think it has anything to do with, 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 with age. You know, I think it has just everything to do with, with him. Like Donald Trump is what, four years, three years younger than President Biden, but he just comes off a lot more youthful. He comes off, you know, like he has a lot more energy. And I always say this about them. Donald Trump seems more sincere about his lies than Joe Biden does about his truth. You know what's really interesting to look at and go and again like I'm not a I'm not a great Trump fan. Personally, I wish that we could get uh new candidates in both parties so that you could have a real serious actual discussion about it. I mean, it seems like everybody's so entrenched it's like, "Oh, you either have to support Biden 100% or you have to support Trump 100%." I think they're both really old and they both have a lot of baggage, like a ton of baggage. It would be great to get somebody fresh in there, somebody a little bit younger. Uh, but Nate Silver, he is an author. He's a statistician. He covers politics and sports. He proposed something that is kind of interesting and leads to a, a, a kind of an interesting discussion, too. But um, he said that uh, with the Democrat convention coming up in August, that he does think that Biden has the opportunity to kind of turn things around. And what he proposes is, he says, here's what I'd propose. He says, over the course of the next several weeks, Biden should do four lengthy sit-down interviews with non-friendly sources. And then he defines non-friendly. He says non-friendly doesn't mean hostile. Um, what it means is a nonpartisan reporter with a track record of asking tough questions and then also release a complete recording of the interviews. And they should be made public so that people can look at them and say, hey, and they can scrutinize them, which is okay. We should be able to scrutinize the president of the United States. I think if you're doing four sit-down interviews, you probably could get a pretty good, you know, a pretty good read on where he's at mentally. And this tends to happen with all presidents, not the mental decline. Uh, generally, people are not president when they're into their 80s. But so for comparison, Barack Obama had given more than 400 interviews at this point in his presidency. That guy was, you know, he was a great talker. He loved to talk. Donald Trump, more than 300 interviews. Biden, fewer than 100. And a bunch of them are kind of softball or they're on friendly podcasts, things like that. Uh, here's a hard-hitting interview that he did with Ryan Seacrest on New Year's Eve. And he talked about his old favorite thing. I'm curious, what sort of holiday foods have you been enjoying over the last few days? Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. But I've been <laughs> pasta, which I love. Yeah. Eating a lot of chicken, chicken parmesan. I mean, you know, all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream. You would think, actually, like, if I was advising President Biden's campaign, I would say, hey, you guys need to get this guy out there so he can talk to people and do what Nate Silver suggests. Show people that this guy is sharp and with it. Do you guys remember just a couple of days ago, we were talking about Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart is back on The Daily Show now after uh, a many-year hiatus and he basically was saying that uh, Biden is having some age issues. And he was kind of, I mean, he was making fun of both of them. He was making fun of Biden. He was also making fun of Trump, talking about how they're both pretty old. But he had this to say about President Biden. These two candidates, they are both similarly challenged. And it is not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism like this, especially of Biden, is unfair. 
because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp, he's focused, he's bright. He is sharp, intensely probing, and detail-oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart, he's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? <laughs> because if you're... If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. <laughs> that would be good to show to people <laughs> instead of a TikTok where he goes, <laughs> That's a funny line. Uh, but no, I, here, here's what I think. And this is, this is totally, I think this is totally fair. There's a lot of people who criticize age and things like that. Or, you, or, or a lot of people who say you shouldn't be able to be critical of people in the White House because of age. And that's just not fair. If somebody's going to subject themselves to that kind of scrutiny because they want to be in power and they want to run the country, you should be able to question a lot of things. Clearly, you should be able to question their uh, cognitive abilities, for sure. And a great way to do that is to do some interviews. These used to happen all of the time. Donald Trump did a ton of these that were really uncomfortable. Donald Trump has a special skill where he can just start talking and just say stuff. And he just comes up with, it comes up with like false straw men all the time as he's talking. And it just kind of works. People say we shouldn't say that, but, we, but we're going to do it. And he does all this kind of stuff. Do you remember this? Bill Clinton actually did one of these interviews. This is a really famous interview. The Clinton team knew going into this interview, this is back during the Monica Lewinsky scandal, this was not going to be a comfortable interview. But we at least felt comfortable that Bill Clinton could handle himself against a reporter, which is what a president should be able to do. Mr. President, welcome. Thank you, Jim. The news of this day is that Kenneth Starr, the independent counsel, is investigating allegations that you suborn perjury by encouraging a 24-year-old woman, former White House intern, to lie under oath in a civil deposition about her having had an affair with you. Mr. President, is that true? That is not true. That is not true. I did not ask anyone to tell anything other than the truth. There is no improper relationship, and I intend to cooperate with this inquiry, but that is not true. No improper relationship. Define what you mean by that. Well, I think you know what it means. It means that, uh, that there is not a, uh, a sexual relationship, an improper sexual relationship, or any other uh, kind of improper relationship. You had no sexual relationship with this young woman. There is not a sexual relationship. That is accurate. All right, well, it actually was accurate. He did. And he later had to apologize for it. But the point is, even though knowing that it was going to be tough, he still sat down for the interview. That's what presidents should be able to do. That's my opinion. I think you probably agree with me. You might not. And if you don't, hit me up on the text line, 888-973-5476. We can hash it out there. But I think it would be a great idea if President Biden wants to turn this around and wants to get people confident that he can handle these types of things, just do it. That's the easiest thing. He's got the ability. If he wants to be interviewed by somebody, he can. He's the president of the United States, and he should. All right, we got a lot more coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Kyber Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. 
Welcome back to Cairo Nights. All right, I found this story earlier, and I, I found this story delightful, actually. Uh, it's kind of a good news story. You guys should feel really positive about this. And I know we just did a Biden story last segment, but this one actually was really positive news. I thought this was really great. The president of the United States knows how to use his cell phone, which is fantastic. You know what, big boy? You're grown up. Yeah, I did that. Because you're grown up and you're grown up and you're grown up. All right, so listen to this. This made its way across all the internets today, and it's a positive sign that Biden is still with it, according to all the people on the internet who are really impressed by this, actually. So listen to this. An elected official uh, posted this earlier today, and again, was very impressed with this. POTUS got, and this is from his uh, Twitter post, or X post, I guess. We don't say X. We don't say Twitter anymore. We say X now. It's, what, it's cooler. It's actually the name of it. It's what it's called. It's called X. Uh, but it used to be called Twitter, so sometimes we say Twitter. But now it's called X. POTUS got jokes per the press pool while posing for a selfie with a customer at CJ's Cafe in Los Angeles today. President Biden switched the customer's phone to selfie mode. The customer expressed surprise that POTUS... That's president of the United States, in case you guys didn't know that. Knew how to do that. So the customer expressed surprise that POTUS knew how to do that. Again, switch the customer's phone to selfie mode. Quote, and then they quoted here. Quote, after the last guy, the bar's on the floor, POTUS quipped. Gotta love this guy. This is, again, this is all from uh, a, uh, an elected official who posted this earlier today. Very impressed that uh, President Biden is still so hip and with it. I'm with it. I'm hip. Ah, that's of course of that is of course Doctor Evil. He's hip and he's with it as well. This is really interesting to me. I just feel like the bar has been so far lowered. I don't care if it's Trump or it's Biden. Shouldn't we expect the president of the United States to know how to use a cell phone? Shouldn't we expect the president of the United States to know how to take a camera phone and turn it into selfie mode? Is that really so unique? What have we learned? Well, we have learned that you can't teach an old dog new tricks because it's illegal and you will go to jail. <laughs> you will go to jail. Uh, I, th I think it's a really good idea if the president knows how to do these things. And I also think it's a really good idea that we look seriously at why we're electing 80-year-olds. Why? Why are we electing somebody who, I mean, if you look at the, if you check the actuarials, what is that uh, clip from um, Groundhog Day? Ned, what's his face? Who's an insurance guy, sells life insurance? That's what the actuarials would tell you that most men in the United States live to be around 77 years old. That's kind of the average age. And you got Biden, who's 81. You got Trump, who is no spring chicken himself. He is 77 years old. And I don't hate old people. I love old people. Why do we as a society hate old people so much? Because they're lame. No, Creed, no, they are not. No, Creed, they're not lame. Uh, no, but the, but the truth is, honestly, I do not hate old people. I love old people. I appreciate old people. They have wisdom that I don't have yet. I hope someday to be an older person. I think that would be great. But I want you just to ask yourself, when is the last time that you thought about your future at 81 and thought to yourself, I'm going to have the pep and the vigor 
and the energy. Actually, me describing things with vigor kind of uh, suggests that I'm very old. Uh, <laughs> am I going to have the energy at 81 to run the country? It's like the busiest job in the world. And it's a pretty important one, right? Like, I think it's a pretty important one. So maybe we can look towards some candidates who are in their, maybe just like in their 70s would even be great. That'd be great too, just in their 70s. But I'm not an ageist. Honestly, if somebody's old enough to do the job and they still are sharp and they're still hip and they're still with it, then, you know, I, I'll, I'll give them my vote. I'm with it. I'm hip. All right. Thank you guys so much. That's the end of our show. We have run out of time. I want you to do me a favor, though. If you get a chance, go and find us on, let's see, we post a lot of stuff, actually. We post a ton of stuff. We post a video every night. I do these videos every single night. I post them at 6.30, so you can go and find them on Instagram or my X page. So on Instagram, you can look me up at Jake Scorheim. One, that's the number one on X. You can find me at Jake Scorheim. And yeah, we're posting these videos. We're posting a lot of stuff every day that we hope that you guys enjoy. It's also a great way for us to be able to interact with you. You can send me things. You can DM me. You can do all the stuff. And I get a lot of great show prep and a lot of great material from you guys. So for the ones who are sending that, thank you so much. We do appreciate that. It's a lot of work getting the show up on its feet. Five nights a week, three hours a night. And so I could not do that without you guys. Sincerely, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I hope you've had fun. I hope it's been worth your time. We have had a blast. We love doing this. It is such a pleasure for us to come in here every single day and do the show for you guys. And we wouldn't be able to do that if you guys weren't listening. So thank you so much. You have our sincerest appreciation. We're going to work our butts off to bring you the best possible show we can every single day. Download the podcast. One more plug. Download the podcast. Kyra Nights with Jake Scorheim if you get a chance. But for now, I got to go home and I got to go to sleep so that I can get up tomorrow bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to put on a Friday show. Because our Friday shows, we put out a lot of energy on Fridays. It's a lot of fun. It's like a supernova of energy. It's great. Tune in for that. You're not going to want to miss it. But for tonight, I got to go. I'm tired. Night-night. Night-night.